Welcome everyone to another episode of the podcast. Quick housekeeping for you as per usual. Make sure you rate and review five stars on Apple's podcast app. Follow me on Instagram at Felix.Levine. My YouTube channel, subscribe, Felix Levine. Search it on YouTube. You can subscribe, watch everything in its full video formats as well as smaller clips and highlights. Um, and I love when you guys reach out to me. Tell me what you do like about the episodes, maybe what you don't like. That's also incredibly helpful. Um, guests you want to, to see on the show. Um, so please, please reach out to me, FelixLevineWTG at gmail.com. You can find that on my website, Felix-Levine.com, or just DM me on Instagram. Uh, I usually check those, so please, please do that. Um, it's really awesome to, to hear from you guys. My guest today, he is one of the co-founders of Baselane, which is a very interesting real estate investment fintech startup. Please welcome Matthias Corder. live. Matthias, thank you uh, so much for, for coming into the studio and, and coming on today. It's a, it's a pleasure to meet you and to have you on. No, it's a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much, Felix, for having us. I will admit this is my first podcast. Oh, that, so. see, that, we're, taking his, we're taking his podcasting virginity, Josh. That is very exciting. Um, awesome. So we're going to get you, well, we're going to, hopefully it's not a dramatic one. <laughs> this will be the first of many, but uh, before we get into it, I told you this before. There's something that the world doesn't know about. Well, I guess there's a lot of things now if this is your first podcast. What does the world not know about you that they're about to find out in, within seconds? No, I appreciate the question. Um, it's a little bit of a story more than a fun fact, but you know, I looked across kind of both you know, all my past generations on my mother's side and my father's side. And I'm actually the first non-entrepreneur, even though now I'm an entrepreneur. But when I, when I started my career, I wasn't an entrepreneur. I was working uh, in investment banking in New York. And I was the first one in four generations to actually go and work for somebody else. It always felt a little uncomfortable because, mm -hmm. you know, I, you know, I had been going through all of these, you know, my life always sitting down at the dinner table with my family that were, you know, all had built a business uh, that had stayed in the family or had left that family business and built their own businesses. Um, so it's kind of come full circle. Now, I guess I am an entrepreneur, but for, for the first, I guess, 15 years of my career, um, I was the first non-entrepreneur in the family. Was there any, like shame or guilt in that i mean not not like you were like lounging around at home but like no very much not so i mean i've i've my first uh job was was working at morgan stanley i, you know, I went to business school for that and then i worked at a company called the boston consulting group both you know great firms to kind mm -hmm. of uh build a career with and, and many people stay them for, for the for most of their lives but i always felt a little bit of a i had something to go do right and and for me being an entrepreneur is building something bigger than yourself. Mm. You know, some people see it as, oh, I don't want to be, I want to be my own boss. Or, you know, they see it as a, as a way to, to make, you know, uh, make, you know, significant money building a business. For me, it was like, go build something bigger than yourself. And um, I think my family's always seen it that way as well. Like, you know, building a business that has a, a bigger impact than what you can drive as, as just working for some, some company. Do you feel like, um, so wait, what did your, what was your family business involved in? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I think every generation has transformed it. My, my great-grandfather actually came from Italy to Peru. Okay. Um, and, his, and the first stage of that business throughout his life was agriculture. 
Um, and then it was transformed into kind of an industrial business that owned uh, many sorts of kind of industrial goods. Uh, and then from there, it's now transformed into kind of a financial uh, service business, uh, metals and mining business, completely transformed as, you know, this business has been around for 130 years. And, you know, as generations come, economies change. And, right. you know, luckily, you know, the people that have been managing this business have done a fantastic job of, you know, modernizing and keeping it up with the opportunities. And this was a business in Peru. Uh, on my father's side, uh, my my grandfather started a business uh, selling, you know, uh, machinery across kind of the United States. And so you would kind of drive up and down the eastern seaboard kind of selling all sorts of imported German machines mm. and then built a big business out of that. Um, and so, you know, and then my, my, my parents were both architects and they both were entrepreneurs. They, you know, even the architecture may not be considered what a tech entrepreneur is considered today. They built a business out of that, you know, together. Um, and so, yeah, first one to say, hey, I'm going to go get a job in, in, in banking. It's interesting. <laughs> well, it's funny because I um, in school, I took a class on that was like specifically family business. I don't think that might even be the title. Mm -hmm. um, and my professor is super passionate about family businesses all around the world. So I think it's just interesting. And one of like the the like the points, the talking points within that class is like when you're not uh, when your whole family wants you to do something mm -hmm. within the family business, straying away at times can be quite difficult because you know you feel some people feel like they're letting them down um but i don't think that you had no i think there was always feeling. support with whatever career made i move and obviously i have you know many cousins and brothers and, and sisters that have gone to build you know careers working for other companies there's never been anything wrong with not going and creating right. something yourself i think that creating something you know is, is obviously a hard path to take many times right. right and i think in today's world where you know competition is is, is, is much higher access to capital you know, exists much greater than it existed, mm -hmm. you know, generations before us, you need some sort of training in the real world to be able to say, hey, I can actually go achieve something right. that is much more complex. Right. You know, you obviously see, you know, uh, tech entrepreneurs that, that are very young and are very successful. But I think if you look at the math, kind of the more experience you have under your belt, kind of working for somebody else and kind of uh, honing your skill set, you probably will be more successful towards, uh, you know, later life. So I have a bunch of friends who also went into investment banking when they were young they didn't like it. Hmm. Sounds, I mean, yep. sounds like a a very intense lifestyle. It was, but I think, you know, I learned a lot from it. So I think, you know, two stages of my career, one at, at Morgan Stanley and one at the Boston Consulting Group, I think what I learned at, at, at Morgan Stanley was about investing. And you learn how to manage risk. You learn how to manage, you know, volatility. You learn about kind of the importance of diversification. Um, I, w I did invest in banking through a very interesting time period, right? I started 2006, oh. went until 2010. I, I lived through the whole financial crisis while working at Morgan Stanley. And, you know, I remember I had, you know, many, many peers and I had, you know, obviously, you know, many people above me. Uh, the people above me that had been there for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years had their whole life savings in Morgan Stanley stock. And Morgan Stanley stock at the time, I think it went, the high was around like 65, 75, I can recall. And then I remember it coming down to the lows of, six to seven dollars in some days and you know you really start to think about you know how do you really build you know sustainable wealth right and, and they had built wealth by working more steady but all of a sudden that volatility and it kind of ties a little bit into kind of what we're, what we're doing now right trying to kind of create access for you know a new generation to kind of invest in real estate you know real estate is one of those asset classes that doesn't have that volatility there's obviously still some volatile times but you know, it's a it's it's a fantastic asset class to build wealth, and you know, obviously we'll, we'll get into that in a bit more. But yeah, um, no, we'll we'll touch on all that because this is actually also a very interesting timing for myself, and I'll explain later. But um, 
but just on the investment banking side, I think uh, well, I think it must have been so interesting. Like those that span of what four two thousand six like four years, yep. four or five years. Um, those are probably like the best years in reality. I mean, maybe not financially speaking, but like for mm-hmm. you to to learn so much. Oh, is it learning? I mean, you learn so much every day. I well, mean, like, do you remember like the day? I don't because I was a little too young, I think, to remember like too, that much of the 08 crash. Mm-hmm. But like, was it? This might be a really stupid question. How fast was the crash? Was it like kind of the coat when what happened in COVID? It was maybe it was like a week or two, right? It okay. was a week or two that you know you started to see big sell-offs. Days were kind of the market. Uh, would close for an hour. Right. Um, And I remember a lot of that crash, you know, a lot of the financial stocks, uh, you know, Bear Stearns, Lehman Brothers were some of the ones taking the initial hits. And then, you know, there was, then it started happening with Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs and and JP Morgan and some of the larger firms that had, uh, you know, less risk on their balance sheet. And, you know, there was a lot of questions, but, you know, it prolonged itself from that beginning to almost a year of, of, of really, you know, a lot of volatility. So then what do you, what do you remember from like, like, could you see, not like, could you see it like that, but like, could you see signs on your day-to-day before it came? And then as it was coming, what was going through your mind? What was your day-to-day like? Yeah, so I would say, I mean, I, I was probably a year and a half into my career there. And, you know, I wasn't a, an expert investor yeah. then. I was still very much, much learning. But I do remember that for, you know, a year and a half, everything only went up. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, everyone was just, you know, on this train where everything was just every single deal was bigger every single transaction was larger um you know every stock just went up uh. and you know you d- did feel that there was this, this 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 craze around kind of this this uh this momentum in the market and um you know obviously that leads to you know problems right and then what was it like like within like the Morgan Stanley offices while this crash is happening? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. So, you know, Morgan Stanley has like TVs everywhere. Um, Where's their office? It's on 1585 Broadway. So it's, okay. uh, I mean, they have offices around yeah, New York, yeah. but the headquarters is 1585 Broadway. Um, that's where you're at. Smack in the middle of Times Square. Okay. And, um, you know, John Mack, who was a CEO back then, a fantastic CEO, um, that's, you know, iconic in, 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 in Wall Street. Um, you know, he would come on TV every single day and he would, you know, it was almost like a pep talk and it was almost like calming people's nerves. But, you know, you have to have strong leadership skills in those moments. Um, and I think, you know, he did a good job. He ended up leaving the firm and they brought in kind of an ex actually management consultant that worked at McKinsey. His name is James Gorman. Uh, he's still CEO today. Uh, and he did it. He kind of diversified the business away from the core, which had been, you know, investment banking sales and trading and, and put a lot more effort into kind of the more stable sides of the business, which was kind of like the wealth management, investment management arms. <sighs> it was stressful, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, I was lucky to kind of have lived through that whole piece, but obviously there was unfortunate you know, people that were let go. Um, so it's like just, scre- I just it's like, is it as panicky as you think it might be? It is, especially when you're dealing with clients. So now, so they're like calling you. They're like yeah. panicked, like what the fuck's going on? Yeah, you know, we have clients that oh, are calling, and, and obviously we're we're there to to advise them. And so, clients did. So that, I think that was the most difficult part, knowing that you know people's fortunes were, you know, were some had invested heavily in specific sectors that were getting hit. Um, yeah, so it was it was a great experience, a great learning experience. Like I was ready to leave by the end of two thousand ten. You know, I lived through the the up, the down, and then the kind of like what's happening next, like. You know, banking is going through this this crazy reshuffle, right? 
do you uh is there one like story of like maybe a talk that you had with a client where they're I mean obviously with leaving everything out but just like the general gist of what the conversation might look like oh that's a good question I don't I don't have specifics Um, maybe your boss or someone that was like I mean I remember getting pretty tense at many moments like there was a lot of tension at, at many moments I remember like uh there's a lot of stuff that happened then yeah. maybe best not to be said yeah, but yeah, yeah. there was a lot of tension there right people when people's you know money is at stake and businesses are at stake you know obviously there's a lot of high tension yeah i'm sure a few different um yeah. colorful swear words yeah. were thrown in there um so then you went to you went so bcg i actually have a friend who was at bcg mm-hmm. um one of the best firms in the world um what was how different was that Completely different. I mean, I actually got exposed to management consulting while I was at Morgan Stanley. Morgan Stanley hired a whole McKinsey team to come reorganize a lot of things. And um, I had some exposure to what that team was doing. I was kind of helping them understand like how this how this business is organized, yeah. right? They kind of put me as someone, hey, just go tell them how things are organized. So I knew it was, it was really interesting. Like you're now going, instead of being the one that's producing kind of on the producer side, you're actually going, and you're on the management team now in a way. You're kind right. of helping strategize and think about kind of how how the business moves forward. So, you know, I was lucky enough to join BCG after business school. Um, one of my early projects at business school was actually one of the ones, one of the projects I think kind of really f- kind of led my career in the direction it went. Um, it was for actually a large uh, bank in Brazil. Mm. At the time, kind of, I was, I was in Brazil for, for a project and um, they wanted to go build what was today one of the first neobanks in the world, right? This term neobanking is something that exists you know, quite commonly today, Chime, obviously the largest neobank in the United States, right. obviously in Europe, many, many large neobanks. Um, and in this, in, this, in this large bank in Brazil, want to say, we want to go build a, a digital bank very different from our, our core bank. And they hired BCG to come ideate, create the strategy, convince the board this is what they needed. Look back now, it's a bank that has, you know, over 10 million customers. Wow. Uh, it was extremely successful. Brazil is a very digitally connected mm. uh, population. You know, few people have laptops, everyone has cell phones very connected into their cell phone. Um, and, you know, from that is kind of where my trajectory in BCG around kind of helping build kind of new, new financial products kind of really got started. And so you spent a while there, correct? I was at BCG for, for seven years, yeah. Okay. So, you know, went through the track of consulting, got promoted to kind of a, a junior manager, then got promoted to kind of a senior manager. I hear the consulting is a little bit better than... Uh... They invest the twelve, the eighteen-hour days of investment. In terms banking. of hours, it is. I would say the one thing that, that's different about consulting is that, you know, you're always on. You're like on the road half the time. You know, I would, oh, I would right. usually kind of, you know, pack my bag Sunday night, Monday morning at you know six in the morning. You're off on a plane to to somewhere if you're not working for a client locally, and you know you're not back till you know late Thursday. Yeah. Um, so Fridays are yours in the office, and that's a little bit more of a calm day, but. It's it's a very different world. I would say investment banking was was very transactional. Um, you know, you still have, to have high intellect to be able to kind of be able to make decisions. Right. But BCG is a much more you know strategizing, intellect focused place, and um, it's much more broad. Right. You're learning about you know operations and banking. You're learning about building a digital bank. You're learning about uh, you know lending. And then you're learning about all the different aspects of the practice that I was part of, which was financial services, uh, in a very broad way. Right. And you're working with you know, I've had the pleasure to work with the leadership team at, I would say, many of the large financial service players in the United States because of that, right? Working directly with the CEOs of 
or, or you know, senior vice presidents of you know, many of the large financial service companies in the United States. So the exposure is fantastic. So would you say your happiness levels were the same more or less between your time in investment banking and consulting? I would, uh, I would have to admit that my times at, at the Boston Consulting Group were much happier. Really? I think it was a better fit for myself. So, I mean, some people enjoy But, like, do you think that, the, like, the rep that, like, IB gets, especially, like, for the kids that get right out of college, like, yeah. it's deserved? Like, when you read those articles, what was it? It was, like, an article last year about Goldman, I think. Um, or was it Goldman? Or whoever it was that was just bashing all the investment banks about how they were treating, how they were treating their... Um, I think it depends on the team. I think it depends on the team you're on. Um, like, I have a cousin who, who who recently was working in investment banking at one of the large firms, and you know, I I, I think he had some s- some bosses that created that environment, others that wanted to make a more sustainable environment. Right. So, um, I think it really depends on the team you're on. Right. I think right, like right. you know, I think it gets a wrap for you know some of the headlines that come out, but in general, I think there is a sustainable life there. Are you able to like? have like to enjoy life not work during that time or just i mean through the you know from from your time yeah. at morgan stanley and, and bcg like are you able to have a little time to like for your private life for whatever like just to be a human being yeah very much i think bcg did a fantastic job of you know trying to make sure that you guys were like, that everyone was prioritizing life as well right they had a lot of amazing mechanisms i mean if you, if you looked at the chart of you know top you know 50 places to work bcg is consistently within the top five that's awesome and it's because they prioritize not just a, a you know challenging work environment that you also get a lot of you know um, joy out of, but also kind of prioritizing kind of your ability to still enjoy time off. And, and, and you know, I think people build long careers there. You know, it, it is it is it is built for someone that you know, partners that you know go all their whole life there. You know, it's someone that definitely um, is looking to work hard. I would say it's definitely a place of hard work. So so then, at what point are you like? Fuck all this shit. I'm doing my own thing. Yeah, so I'll tell you a little bit about the story. I mean, um, you know, I told you a little bit about the, the digital bank that we built in Brazil with BCG. Um, and I spent a lot of my time in New York working with, you know, a lot of large financial service companies, um, helping them think through, you know, growth strategy, helping them think through kind of new new digital products that they can build, digitalization. Um, and towards the end of that, you know, actually one of my co-founders is also from, from BCG. Uh, okay. His name's Torben and kind of, is that where you guys met? We met at BCG. Yeah. Okay. And you know, we were kind of ideating across a bunch of ideas, looking at kind of some of the, the, the pain points that we had seen with some of the products that we were building uh, for, for our clients then. And that's kind of where the initial idea came from. And so we actually uh, joined up with a you know, large venture capital fund uh, based in Canada. Uh, they are kind of a fund and they also have a, you know, a really successful kind of uh, business builder or incubator. And we joined them as entrepreneurs and residents. And mm-hmm. the idea was, okay, we have this fantastic idea. Uh, let's go prove it out before we go kind of raise a lot of money for it. And so we left and, and kind of joined a venture fund called Diagram Ventures as part of a, a larger fund called Portage Ventures. Um, and they really helped us kind of fine tune um, this opportunity, right? Really kind of spend, you know, four to five months, you know, they'd given us, I think at the time was a $200,000 check and said, go, go use that money to mm. you know, build out landing pages, prove out demand across this product. And really de-risk this opportunity. So we're going to go and give you, you know, if we go give you two, three, four million dollars, you guys will have a very clear action plan, and it's very de-risked across kind of what you're going to go build. Wow. So that's so for people listening, that's kind of the foundation of Baseline. That is the foundation of Baseline. Yeah. So Torben and myself, we we joined Diagram Ventures. What um, year? When? This was in 2020. 
Um, we joined Diagram Ventures. Obviously, it was a time of a lot of uncertainty right. with COVID. It was towards the when beginning, of, was, beginning of COVID. It was like right at the beginning of 2020. Oh, fun time. Um, so there was still like a lot of like, mm, like what's going to happen? Of course, the, the, the venture world completely skyrocketed. Um, uh, but, you know, and then we were actually introduced uh, to our third co-founder, uh, Jad, uh, through Diagram Ventures. Uh, he's our, our CTO. Um, and, you know, got off to the races. I think kind of, I think it was September 2020. We kind of finished the you know, entrepreneur residence piece of it. And we said, guys, like, let's go. And, uh, you know, we raised, uh, raised some money and started hiring, you know, a team. So what was, so I guess, will you just explain kind of the general premise um, of Baselane for people out there that are not familiar? Yeah. Um, so, you know, in the United States, there's roughly 11 million um, individual real estate investors, right? These individual real estate investors own anywhere from one to sometimes up to, we've seen 35, 40 uh, properties or doors. Um, and it's roughly 25 million properties in the United States. It's 20% of the, the national housing supply in the United States. So it's a massive, massive segment. Uh, these properties are worth roughly $6 trillion uh, in the United States. And when an when individual owns real estate, they need to manage it. And you know one of the biggest problems they have is managing the finances of it. Right. Today, we see that the average landlord is kind of stitching together six or seven different tools to manage their finances from you know, a standard bank account. They're collecting rent through check, cash, Venmo, uh, Zelle. Uh, when they have to do their expense management, their bookkeeping, they're mostly using Excel. Right. Very, very manual processes mm. when they uh, need to get, you know, a loan insur- uh, or insurance. They're just calling up, you know, legacy brokers over the phone. Right? It's not a digital process. When they want to understand how their assets performing, right? you want to know how is this investment that I have, how is it performing? Um, it takes them almost a month of just work on Excel to figure out how it's performing. They don't have any kind of live tracking. And so as a result of like, financial services not being built for, for this segment, um, one, there's a lot of manual time that's spent into it, doing it. Um, it's very difficult to have a clear uh, baseline of your finances, right? And, and be able to kind of grow and make the right decisions. You need to have kind of insights into how your, 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 your assets are performing. Right. Right. Um, and so that's what Baseline is. I said in the short story, Baseline is kind of an end-to-end financial management platform for uh, you know, the, the individual uh, real estate investor. Okay, so what happened? So I, I buy a piece of property. Yep. Now what? So the first thing you have to do is find a tenant. Because you need to, you need to obviously collect right, rent. right, right. And so uh, there's a lot of you know technology that's been into you know helping you list your property. And, so wait, and not to interrupt you before. Do you guys help in the process of like, say, I'm looking for a piece Correct. of property, an investment property? Do you guys help in that process? Currently, today we don't. Okay. And so if I was to kind of break down the larger value chain of being a landlord, like there's finding a property and finding a tenant. Right. Like that's right, the first step. Then there's a whole aspect of financial management, which right. is. You know, banking, you know, bookkeeping, doing right. your taxes, all the things that I mentioned. And then there's the final aspect, which is kind of managing the physical property. So you need to, you know, if the light bulb goes out, who's going to go fix right. it, right? Hopefully, hopefully the tenant can, but there's a the physical maintenance yes. of that property. There's communication with that tenant. Um, and that's the physical side. Like we are squarely uh, owning the financial management of, you know, uh, the world that a, a real estate investor has to manage. So once you buy the property, once you have the tenant, then yep. somebody goes to your platform. Mm-hmm. And what do they do? So they open up an account and they can go through through many paths, right? Uh, one, we offer kind of banking accounts that have been built specifically for for landlords. And I'll get into a little bit more around that. 
Uh, we have a whole bookkeeping platform that's attached directly into that banking platform. A uh, whole cash flow and kind of property metrics to allow you to actually visualize and assess how your property is doing. And then we have a rent collection tool um, that has a, a tenant platform attached to it. And at the same time, we've now started to build out kind of the initial version of our marketplace. We ha- have uh, insurance for, mm. uh, you know, liability for liability insurance for, for our uh, customers' uh, investment properties. And also, uh, we're now offering lending as well. Interesting. So, and, and, the, and the one thing I'll add to that, it's, it's not just a collection of tools. It's an integrated experience, okay. right? So if you're using our bookkeeping tool, it's very much connected into the way that the bank works, right? You can open up a series of, of uh, you know, what we call custom accounts, which is essentially a sub-account within the bank. You can connect and say, I want any transaction that comes into this sub-account to be allocated directly to a property or to a specific uh, bookkeeping category. Uh, so it starts to create uh, a lot of automation. Ah, uh, so like if I have, say I have five properties yep. and I get uh, whatever rent checks every month, mm-hmm. then I can already kind of naturally like send it out to whatever expense or whatever 100%. savings or whatever, yeah. whatever else. And even more than that. So imagine you own a, you know, let's say a five-story building here in Brooklyn with our account, you open up a, a bank account either for an individual, an LLC, a corporation, wow. a partnership in, in, within you know within less than a minute. As soon as you've opened up that account for that entity, uh, or if it's an individual, with a click of a button, you can open a sub-account. And so imagine, you could have a sub-account by unit. So you can actually start to visualize kind of how your assets performing by unit. Then when rent's coming in, you say, this is coming in for this unit. So then when you go into your cash flow analytics, mm. you can actually see you know revenue, expenses, uh, you know, by unit, you can look at it by property. You can look at it for your whole portfolio. Wow. And is it where do you feel like you are in terms of um, easeability of using the the platform? Like how, you know, I mean, I'm sure you c- continuous you guys are continuously trying to make yep. it more uh, pleasurable to use the platform. But where do you feel like you're at? Yes, we we launched the product um, in September of 2021. Okay. Um, so the product, let's say, is you know roughly you know a little over six months old. Um, and, you know, we've been launching, you know, a series of products kind of every, you know, two, three months. Um, and, you know, I think by, no, by June, we'll have kind of the full core product complete. And so right now we have live, you know, everything that I mentioned. Um, and, you know, we're starting to build on even more functionality. Uh, you know, every, every two, three weeks, we launch, you know, new functionality to the product. And so is it going to be as simple as in the future, um, like an app on your phone that you open and that it'll be as easy as some of these other financial service apps? You will. So I'll, I'll paint you the picture a little bit. I mean, my brother was um, an entrepreneur, an e-commerce entrepreneur kind of 12 okay. years ago. And, you know, he had to go stitch together a website, payment processor, uh, fulfillment uh, into his you know, third-party logistics provider, how to deal with customer returns, how to deal with customer service. Right. Today you pay thirty dollars, and it's a it's a it's a platform called Shopify. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah exactly. And it builds a fantastic yeah, experience. Like we really want to be the Shopify of you know the real individual real estate investor, and so that re- individual real estate investor comes onto our platform, and they have everything they need. Whether they want high complexity, and you're a landlord that has you know fifteen or twenty properties, and want to be able to see core analytics. And, and all this stuff, or if you're someone that just owns, you know, one one door or is renting out kind of the back house and, you know, really being able to kind of provide value to that everyone in a very automated way, right? We want to kill all this busy work that takes away uh, from really focusing on what's important, which is actually, you know, creating value through this home, 
Yeah, this is so interesting. It's, it's funny. You know, it's like moments like these where I feel like the universe works in weird ways because I uh, recently I started I like thinking about investing into real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, you know, I think I have like a very, you know, amateur beginner level of uh, knowledge when it comes to this. And there's, uh, thankfully I have a lot of people around me that are smart and um, that have done well in this world. But, you know, I think like even in the ways that I'm, you know, navigating the Zillows of the world and, you know, trying to understand the financing part and, and all this stuff, um, it makes a lot of sense that like your idea now obviously you have to come up with the idea so props to you guys for doing so but it makes a lot of like it makes a lot of sense that this would be the natural void in uh the market because i feel like it's so like and and to be fair like i think zillow does a great job of like showing you what's out there and like a bunch of different um statistics on on the properties themselves but there's it's so like scattered like Mm -hmm. there's nowhere where like i can figure out like the once I'm looking at the property, how much I'll like the loan, the whole financing, that's a whole, you know, mm-hmm. sh- other conversation. Um, how long it's going to take? What kind of rents can I get when mm-hmm. I do get the rents? What chinks, what things should I be looking out for? Like history about the actual piece of pro- I mean, everything is just so scattered, yeah. you and know, and, t- for, and for but the thing that I think is unfortunate is like for young people that now and you know this, like there's never been a time where younger people have a little bit more capital, perhaps, um, if they're lucky, where there's also more uh, availability to information or there's more, like, there's so, the things that we can do from our phone that didn't, that didn't exist 20 years ago. So it's like, it's, it's exciting, but at the same time, it can be very daunting, you know, and that's why I think it's great, like, this idea, like, your platform um, because it it kind of I think takes a lot of the stresses away and the scary aspects of you know when you're dealing with a with an expensive property. Yeah, and I think what your comment is amazing. I'll, I'll give you a little fun fact. But in 2021, mm-hmm. over 50 percent of new landlords were millennials. Wow. And so that's yes, yeah. you know that's you know folks that are in you know millennials go down now to like you know let's say age 27 to like I think it's 42 now. It's um, crazy. But all of a sudden there's this whole new generation of uh, investors. Yeah. And yeah, it's true. You know, they've been accustomed to many times using platforms like Coinbase and uh, you know, Robinhood and have a fantastic, you know, mobile app for their banking platform. And you know, and and maybe trade stocks on other platforms, but they've seen how technology can enable them to make, mm-hmm. you know, better decisions and actually manage their their investments in a better way. Um what's really interesting about new landlords is that um they don't have any experience doing this. And so like if I was to create a checklist of all the things you need to do to invest in real estate, it's a very long list. So when we think of our product, we think in twofold. One is how do we optimize, you know, there's obviously 11 million landlords out there today. Let's really start to create automation and provide, you know, um, you know, a much more streamlined way to manage your finances. But let's also think about someone that has, has zero experience. How do we create this product to be almost like a financial coach? Mm. So you come onto our, our platform and we're going to have you know, calculators for you to be able to assess, right. uh, you know, the new investments that you want to look at. You can compare two and three investments. We can provide you with kind of forecasted cash flows. Once you acquire that property, you bring it onto our platform. We're helping you with, you know, all sorts of automated information saying, hey, like your expense ratio for utilities is quite high for a brownstone in Brooklyn or for a single family home in Arizona. Like, how can we help you optimize that? Or your insurance is a bit high. You haven't, looks like you haven't 
you know, gone in and got a new quote for your insurance in a few years, why don't we, why don't we help you out and, and find you a quote that actually saves you 20% on your insurance? So, but so like for something like that, what would be the incentive for like, how would you know that say for an insurance, your insurance quote is too high? How would your platform know? So already we've, we've partnered with, uh, with a fantastic, uh, startup that's creating a lot of innovation in kind of the, the uh, insurance space for, for real estate investors. So just with your address, I can give you a quote uh, on your insurance. Um, the, the quote isn't perfect. Like you have to then, you know, spend one minute giving me a little bit more information and I can then give you a firm quote. But just with your address, I can give you a directional idea of what percentage you can save um, on your, your, your property liability insurance. So I will say, so like an app like Mint, right? Yep. That I think... Is uh, I think it's a great concept, but mm-hmm. I've noticed like a lot of my friends will talk about it. They'll be like, "Oh, I just downloaded Mint." But what's great about my generation, I think, is that like we have the the right ideas, mm-hmm. but then the practicality behind it kind of falls through a little bit. Yep. You know, like because it's like okay, they're telling me what I'm spending it on, mm-hmm. tell me how I'm doing this, they're telling me, but like a, I'm a little lazy because I think my generation is a little bit lazy. And, uh, and B, then it's like, okay, well then how do I actually take this information and do it? And, and as you know, our, our, my generation, our generation is very, uh, you know, we got about 10 second times, mm-hmm. uh, attention spans. Right. So it's like, it's this weird thing of like, we have a lot of great tools. Then it's like, how, how practical, how much are we really going to use them? I don't know if that's something you guys talk yeah, 100%. about. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, like, there's obviously all the, the PFMs, which is, you know, per- personal, you know, finance management platforms like yeah. Mint. Um, I think the difference is that this is a business, right? When you own property, right. this is now, okay, it, yeah. this is a income generating a piece, right? This is, for some people, it's, you know, passive income. They have a full-time job. For many people, this is their full-time job. Um, but it is a good point, right? It's the same. Like we do want to create a platform that's very automated. Hmm. So you know, you you bring on your property. Uh, our goal is to kind of automate as much as we can, so that when you come into our platform, we're just providing you with insights, and it's not a place that you have to go do work, right? Uh, today, landlords have a lot of busy works that they need to kind of accomplish, kind of in the financial management. How can we make a lot of that really automated, right? right? Like already with a rent collection tool, like you're going to get a message saying, hey, like someone was late to pay rent. We've already kind of assessed the late fee based on the parameters you've told us and we've already sent them a message. So it's done for you. Uh, um, you know, you're going to come onto our platform and, and, you know, you've had, you know, let's say five new transactions on, on the banking platform. Um, we've been able to go and automatically tag half of them based off of the, the things that you've already tagged. And so it already starts to build this picture for you in an automated way. Is there ever a fear that you guys are trying to cover too many bases at once? You know, I think when we started this, we knew that uh, it was an ambitious project. Yeah. There was a lot of things like we're not just building a bank. We're not just building a rent collection tool. We're not just building kind of a whole analytics and, and, and cash flow platform. It's all of these pieces together. Um, and we're aware of that. I think we have like a fan, like we've been lucky to have a fantastic team. Like, you know, we have our, our engineering team and our product team is based in Toronto. Our whole okay. business team is based in the United States. We have, you know, I would say, you know, fantastic, fantastic team that's been able to kind of achieve a lot with very little. And, um, you know, the opportunity is massive. So luckily, we also have fantastic investors that understand mm-hmm. what we're building mm-hmm. uh, and know that this is, you know, n- no business is built overnight, right? It's going to take, you know, a good, uh, you know, additional, let's say, two, three years to build a 
fully robust product across all the opportunities we can go after. Um, but we're very, very much on the way to getting there. What do you think is like the biggest um, misconception about real estate investment from your, you know, your knowledge on the sector? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people look at real estate and they say, wow, that's a very difficult thing to go do. It's a high ticket item, right? And, you know, real estate is always in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to go acquire something, right? And so there's actually a real estate opportunities across the board, right? You can go and acquire, you know, a property, uh, you know, in, in an up and coming neighborhood in Philadelphia for, you know, $300,000. And that doesn't mean you're putting $300,000 down, right? You're going and actually getting a loan and you're putting down, you know, 20% of that. Um, and then you're, you know, being able to see asset appreciation, you're able to see cash flow. Mm -hmm. If you look at just, you know, generic Zillow uh, data, I mean, real estate has appreciated 90%. The average real estate has appreciated 90% in the last 10 years. Wow. And that's with zero leverage, right? That's just wow. saying this is the asset appreciation. That's not talking about the cash flow that's come in as well, right? And and that's been a pretty stable path that's continued across, you know, multiple generations. And so, you know, it's a fantastic asset class. And I think there's always entry points, whether you're going to go invest with a friend, like we're going to be building out a bunch of functionalities to allow, you know, people that want to invest together to mm. do it, um, make it even potentially a little bit less daunting. Right. They have a partner, a family member, I think, you know, when I think about it, it's like the more I've been learning about it, honestly, in the past like two weeks, because I've just been, it's been really on the top of my uh, mind. It's, I think one of the main issues is really just the education behind it. Yep. And I don't know if you guys like have any plans of of tackling that aspect, but I think like educating this millennial generation um about how it works because i think that we're still very much stuck in this society of like the end goal is to buy your own property you know but then i think that there's there are obviously more opportunities when you're younger to do so if mm -hmm. if given the given the chance um but i think that there's just no there's not a proper like education like i think if if we go on your platform for example and you're on base lane and you start to like there are little ways that you can you can learn about some of those tools and why they're functioning and what they mm -hmm. can do. I think that that takes away so much of the fear. You know what I mean? Because it's it's scary. It's scary for sure when you uh, when you're putting a lot of money down. Um, but I think fear comes from lack of knowledge. You know? Yeah, hundred percent. I think education is is a core part of what we're doing. Like we have you know landlords that have obviously been been investing for you know, 15 years and they've kind of built out kind of their process and they've learned through, you know, other uh, other investors or they've learned through a broker that kind of got them started. Um, but, you know, if you look at today, you're going to go find hundreds of forums online. Uh, some, someone, some of the largest forums have around 2 million active landlords on them and they're all there asking questions about how to manage homes. And so that information can be distilled, it can be professionalized, it can be embedded into the actual experience mm. of actually when you're getting things done, right? Like when you're going and actually buying insurance, like let us help you not just find the best insurance at the right best price um, and at in a really efficient process, right? All online within minutes, but let's also educate you on what is the right level of insurance that you need? What is the right coverage that you need for specific state you're in, right? Like some states have higher risks through natural disasters or through right. exposure to, to fire than others, right? Mm -hmm. And so like let us help you with that process so that you're, 
have have almost like a sidekick as you're going down this path. And now we're just going to take a quick break to talk to you about my longtime sponsor in U.S. Wellness Meats. At uswellnessmeats.com, you can choose from over 350 foods raised the way nature intended. That includes 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, lamb, bison, elk, and dairy. They also have pasture-raised heritage pork, wild-caught seafood, and pasture-raised poultry. These are some of the host of foods that you can find at uswellnessmeats.com where the owners are the actual farmers themselves. And now they've introduced a subscription food delivery service and curated sample farm bundles. Choose the bundle of food you want to receive every month and they'll deliver it right to your door automatically. It's never been easier to serve your family real, honest to goodness food without the junk. US Wellness Meats is the choice of championship sports teams, professional athletes, chefs, world-class trainers, and families just like yours all over America. Use promo code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to save 15% off of every order at uswellnessmeats.com. Now let's get back into it. Is it is is it hard to um like you guys are obviously a, a fintech company yeah um and automation is key but there's a lot of aspects too about these kinds of things that I think the human interaction is very important very much yeah you know how do you find that balance between automation and still keeping you know the importance of you know the human fears or human desires yeah I mean I think like any great product. Um, it's enjoyable to use. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, uh, very much kind of at the center of how we, how we build our product and obviously our, you know, our, our director of product and product managers very much are always trying to build fantastic user experiences. And so when you're going and doing something, you know, there is some automation to, to pieces and we're going to obviously drive much more automation, but it's still a, you know, a, an exciting experience to use, mm -hmm. right? And so like still you're making decisions. You're the one that's kind of going through our, our you know, our, our product and deciding how you want to use it. Uh, there's many different types, ways you can use our product. Um, but it's still creating a very, like, I would say, you know, I think if you look at kind of Apple as a product that is kind of the right. North Star of yeah. pleasurable experience, like, you yeah. know, obviously we don't have uh, the same amount of capital to go and, and spend so much time detailing everything. But we look at those opportunities right. to say, how can we build something that's actually a really enjoyable experience for a user? And so as, uh, I guess, one of the three founders, yep. um, what have, you know, how has your relationship with the other two um, kind of progressed over the years? And, and I guess working together, I'm sure there's ups and downs um, as, as everything. Yeah, I mean, if, I mean, building a business is, is not easy. I think yeah. anyone that tells you that it is is, is definitely lying. lying. Lying to your face. Um, you know, I, I've, I've known Torben now who's... Uh, you know, who used to work at BCG with me for, for, for a long time. I mean, I've known him for now, what, six, seven years plus. And, uh, you know, Torben's, you know, one of the hardest working, one of those humble, humble folks. And, you know, we always have a fantastic relationship. Um, we've kind of slowly started to kind of divide our roles because there's a lot of things to do. Um, and, uh, you know, I think sometimes we have same opinions, sometimes we diverge, but I think you learn how to kind of make decisions in consensus. Um, you know, in consensus with not just the founders, but also with our, with our employees. Like when we make product decisions, I'm never the one saying, hey, this is what we need to do. We actually vote. And really? we use this mechanism where everyone is allocated $100. And, ah. you know, fake fake $100. And then you can use that money to vote for, you know, different product features. Everyone in, everyone in the company? We, I mean, we're a team of 22 people at the moment. Okay. Um, so we don't involve everyone in these, in these meetings, but we involve kind of... Uh, a good part of it, I mean, let's say it's a group of eight of us. Okay, and you each um, have a hundred bucks. We each have a hundred bucks to allocate across kind of how we, 
how we go and, and, and decide. That's how you feel. Yeah, and I think it's we, we, we very much believe in kind of building a, a, like a democracy mm-hmm. around how we make decisions. And and Jad, who's our CTO, who kind of leads our, our Canadian office, uh, you know, he's built uh, multiple businesses before. So he's been a serial entrepreneur. Um, and then he was kind of VP of engineering at a, a large um, development shop that was acquired by CoreLogic, which is one of the largest data providers in the real estate space. So he had been building a lot of product. Okay. And then so he has he has a lot of experience into how to build businesses, um, you know, tech businesses from scratch. And so I think we all just kind of feed off of our strengths, right? Um, and so I think that it's, it's a great founding team and, and obviously kind of a great team as well. Have you ever like put a lot of your $100 down and then didn't get voted? So the way it works, imagine there's like 10 products that we're deciding what's going to come next. Okay. You can allocate, you know, ten dollars to each of them. Yeah. Or you can say, I'm gonna throw in hundred dollars to oh. just one. Um I've awesome. always I've always been kind of I've used those hundred dollars usually kind of strategically, but yeah, there's some people say like I think I want this product feature to be the next thing we're focusing on. They throw the hundred dollars in. What's the <laughs> in your time, I guess, at baseline, what was can you pinpoint the moment you were like most wrong? Oh, that's a good question. Most wrong. Um You know, I think like you know, there, today we acquire customers through a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think recently we've discovered, uh, you know, new ways of acquiring customers that are, are just much more efficient than the ways that we were acquiring customers before. Okay. And, you know, I think in, in anything, you just need to test a lot of things. Mm. And so I think, you know, we, we you know, just because in the startup, you're, you're so busy with so many different things that sometimes you're not capturing kind of all the opportunities. But we missed something that we, we maybe could have started a little bit earlier. Now I think we've been really been able to kind of optimize um, our cost to acquire customers. Um, I won't get into the details, yeah. but like, you know, uh, it's not that we were wrong. I just think like, you know, it just it takes time to, to right. get there. Um, and I think we've, we've you know, I think we've done a really good job um, in that. Do you think that... Um... Like how easy, so is it fully running today? Like if someone's listening right now, yep. they can go on Baselane. Yeah, you can go to Baselane.com. Um, and, and what, you can, it, and what you can sign up for a free account. It takes uh, two seconds to open an okay. account. You land onto kind of our, 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 our dashboard and you can start actually start managing your finances. So you can one, open a bank account with us. So when you say open a bank account with us. We, I'll even show you show our, me. Our, our debit card. Please. So um, we got the debit card? Yeah. So this is this is our baseline debit card. I'll, I'll show it here and I'll give Great. one to you. Visa. So it's a Visa Beautiful. card. Yep. Uh, we're partnered with a bank in Virginia called Blue Ridge Bank. Okay. Um, and so they're kind of our sponsor bank, but obviously we provide the the whole front end experience. We provide obviously the customer the customer. Um, so they can either open a bank account with us, um, or they can actually interconnect their existing bank accounts. We really want to have kind of an open architecture where you know if you don't want to open up a bank account with us, bring in your you know connect your Bank of America account, connect okay. your TD. Account, connect your your credit cards, right? The, the account you're using today to right. manage your finances. Um, we automatically, obviously, import all your transactions, um, and then help you actually start to categorize those transactions against um, what we call the Schedule E category. So, when you're an investor, you have to go and file the tax in the year, mm-hmm. and there's a pretty you know strict categorization across you know what's rent, what's maintenance, right, what's right, right. Um, you know what is a, a professional fee, and so we start to categorize those things for you. Uh, then you can start. You can add a property, obviously, to to the platform. Uh, you can add as many as you want, um, and then you can start collecting rent for those properties. So then the tenants would have to sign up for a baseline rent or tenants that, account. That's correct. So as soon as you know the landlord goes and kind of submits the parameters of, of okay. what the rent collection is, right? They decide you know when they want to collect rent, how much, if they want to add any fees, late fees. Uh, they invite the tenant. So they, they the tenant receives an email 
Um, and then the tenant can then just go and open an account. They can go and pay for rent, you know, using a credit card, a debit card, a bank, uh, bank transfer, so through ACH. So is it, so is it free? Who is it free for? It's free for both, both users. Okay. So then how are you guys making money? We make, <laughs> we, we make money through a few things. So, um, one on, on the bank, we, we make money, of course, through right. kind of, of course. uh, payments, uh, mm-hmm. you know, deposits, yep. um, we also uh, make money uh, through premium features. So kind of within our banking product, we offer the core for free. Um, we have a few features that we're starting to launch that, that are paid features. Um, Can you announce them or no? Yeah, some of those things include being able to kind of collect rent you know, much faster, um, some analytics that we're, that we're starting to develop that are, that are kind of highly demanded. That can tell, is there any, like, that could tell you what you're collecting based on what some of other properties in the market that are similar to yours are collecting? That's a fantastic idea, and we we are looking to kind of have data to provide you know you right. the, you know you know exactly what you should be charging mm-hmm. uh, for for rent, um, and then we also have a whole another revenue stream which is our marketplace. So we're connecting you know our our customers with you know uh, the best loan products, and then obviously with with uh, property insurance, and so we take a small commission for 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 selling those products to our customers. So like for example, when you say like a loan product like if I'm obviously I have to take out a loan. Yep. Um you guys can help me do that. Yeah. So how does mean, that work? So there's there's many types of loans that uh, uh individual landlord can use, right. right? If you're, you know, starting out and you're just getting your your first investment property, you could probably just go get uh, you know, an agency, you know, conforming loan, right? Like, you know, through traditional bank. Um once you actually kind of pass the agency cap, uh, you can no longer go get an agency loan. And so that means that those loans are now going to be a little bit higher, but there's, you know, hard money lenders, private money lenders that are, st- that are, that are looking actively to, you know, provide lending to uh, all sorts of investors. Okay, so this might be a really stupid question, but say I've found a property that I'm pretty set on buying. I've figured out on the, the you know, the whole yep. side of buying it, um, but I'm in the process of getting a loan and all that. Mm-hmm. I can then come to you at that point? Yep. You can come. To, I mean, as soon as you've identified the property, I'll Facetime you. No, I'm um, kidding, but yeah, okay. Yeah, we should we should we should create a Facetime feature. <laughs> but actually, you can do it all on, online. So you come into our product, um, and you actually do it just off our landing page. You don't have to create an account for this. Um, you can go and 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 uh, apply for a loan. And you guys got the best rates on the in the game. So right now we, we're partnered with a fantastic lender that is focused. Um, you know, these are non conforming loans, not agency loans. So it's potentially a little a little bit more expensive than if you were kind of get just a traditional mortgage. Okay. Um, but obviously, there's many investors that have passed that agency loan, agency cap that are that are getting these these rates. But let's say right now it's four and a half percent, four percent. Yeah. So I think it's still very competitive. And so, where have you found like what aspects of base lane so far do you think people love the most, and what aspects do you feel like you still there's the potential, but they're not they're not exactly yeah. there yet. So I think you know we have a, a bunch of power users. We have roughly kind of two thousand users on the platform today. Okay. Um, Mostly in in New York, actually spread across the country. Okay, um, I think we have some hot spots. Obviously, California, Texas, Illinois, New York, Florida, big states, big kind of investor communities there. Um, things that they love. I mean, I think people love our, our user experience. They come into the platform; okay. it's extremely intuitive how to use it. Right. Um, and then on top of that, everyone loves just having everything in one place. Mm. Like for too long, you know, have investors have it to just stitch together all of these solutions that aren't built for them. Right, all the tools that an investor uses today are what I call a general-purpose tool. Right, you're using tools that are built for you know the average small business or for the consumer that right. isn't an investor. Right, so it's a lot of things that we create that uh, you know just drive a lot of efficiencies for the user. And so, is it 
Because, yeah, it's it's weird. I think a lot of, um, like, college kids, for example, like, pay their... I was always... I don't do this, but, uh, like, they pay their landlord through, like, Venmo and yep. stuff. Like, like that's it's strange, no? I mean, the, the thing is that, you know, check is, 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 is difficult, right? And then yeah. all of a sudden, Venmo and Zelle have become extremely efficient, right? You just give someone your phone number. There's got to be some tax implications that are also strange. So I think Venmo and, and Zelle both are kind of turning a little bit of a blind eye, mm-hmm. right? I think they these are large tickets that are coming through in terms of, you know, $1,000 of rent collected a right. month. Um, there's big fraud implications for that. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting from a from a landlord perspective, like you need to be going onto your phone, making sure that's come through, right. reminding them it's not automated. With our platform, the tenant has a fantastic experience on their mobile phone. They have they can open up our, 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 our the platform on their phone. They can see exactly when something was paid. They can choose how they pay it. Um, they can actually visualize you know where their security deposit is. Has it been returned? They can see you know the details of their lease. Wow. Um, oh, so wow. the tenant has a fantastic experience and on top it's automated. You just can go set up auto pay and you know that you're going to receive a reminder seven days before right. saying, hey, we're going to be deducting rent from the account that you've set up or for the payment method that you've set up uh, on this day. Wow. And it's, it's all automated. So you no longer have to be you know, manually going and actually going and paying for rent from a tenant perspective. And then from a landlord perspective, you're assuring that you're going to have on-time rent, which is crucial right. for right. you to go obviously, you know, Landlords have expenses and that needs to get paid. How now? Did you guys launch? So you launched in you said uh, September. September. Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't like peak COVID, because that would have been, I think, interesting. Well, I guess kind of peak COVID. Uh, with when there was just the whole rent, yeah, debacle. So you know, when when we started this business, like that was through the middle of COVID, and and we thought about you know what what can we do that's focused on you know this current environment. Right. Ultimately, what's interesting is that people always need homes to live in, right? And so this industry is extremely resilient, right? You yeah. know, there may be a fluctuation in, in asset prices, but you know, asset prices in real estate, you know, usually have a, a pretty straight trajectory up, right? There's a finite amount of homes in the United States, and, and in many cities, there actually is a scarcity of, of right. you know affordable homes, um, and so you know, we said let's focus on the core problem. Let's focus on the problem that's going to exist today and it's going to exist 10 mm-hmm. years from now. Interesting. Now, how do you see, you know, I mean, I'm sure you guys have conversations about this frequently. Like, you guys go with like a two-year plan, four-year plan, five-year plan. I mean, how is it, you know, what's the progression in, in your guys' ideal world? So I, I've, I think that's something that I've, I've definitely gotten wrong. That, okay. you know, as a, as, a, as a next investment banker and then as a consultant, I always used to think in like three-year plans, uh, and I've slowly can't learned. Can't think like that. I think in the startup world, we think in you know three-month plans, because you learn so much from your customer uh, that plans shift. And so, actually, every three months, we sit down, we review our roadmap, we review everything, and we we reprioritize it. And we actually had that call today to reprioritize everything. That's where you know folks had a hundred dollars to define what we're going to do, wow. um, and you know. Three months from now, I'm going to have more than double the amount of customers that I had today. Wow. And so you're going to learn so much more, right? Everything I've learned in the last six months from my customers, I'm going to learn in the next three months or less. Wow. Um, like we've been, you know, surpassing our targets in terms of growth, uh, you know, every month. And so I think that's in a startup world, you have to be kind of in that agile mentality. You know, you have a, you have a clear direction. Like I know where I want to be a year from now in terms of what I want to be in terms of customers, in terms of revenue, in terms of like what my product vision is. But there's so much that we can do such an underserved community 
um, that, you know, we need to be quickly learning from them. For you on a personal level, like, do you, how do you tie or not tie the success of work to your own personal gratification? It's a great question. I mean, I think uh, my personal life is very intertwined, obviously, with, with this business. Like, it's where I spend the majority of, of my day. Um, but, you know, I think my, my girlfriend grounds me a bit. And, you know, how does she ground you? You know, I, I get home and she tries to say, look, like now it's. You're not the shit. <laughs> no, I mean, I would say, like, you know, going to work, I mean, it, it, you know, building a startup is, is you're just constantly solving multiple challenges, right? right? right. You know, you're, you're, you're celebrating successes, but it's, it's, it's challenges that you're going and figuring out how to, how to solve best. And so sometimes you just get unwind and. And, and, and look back at you know like we've built a team of I think twenty two fantastic individuals yeah. and hopefully by end of year we'll be you know double or triple that in terms wow. of team, um, so. Interesting. What's yeah. it like? I'm always interested because I, I don't know if I know any of like the significant others of some of my startup. I've had a couple of um, awesome startup CEOs. I don't think I do. Like, is it? What do you think is like the if you have okay, here's the question: If if a significant other of uh, a startup of a CEO, uh, a CEO of a startup, is listening, what would you recommend as the best way to be the best partner to that individual? Look, I think the most important thing one is to provide support. Okay, especially in the, the first couple of years of, of starting any business, right? Like you're you're all into it, right? And but 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 kind of promoting a balance. You know, so, you know, there are some weekends that, you know, I just need to get stuff done. But then there's things, there's times where I can say, look, I'm going to take a Monday off and I'm going to go spend that time, you know, with my significant other. So yeah. it's a trade-off. And I'm going to take her somewhere special and, you know, like we're building business for the long term. Right. Right. Like this has to be sustainable for, for both parties. Yeah. And, and also for, for, for our, like our team members, right? Like we very much promote them to take vacation. Right. Um, like we're very flexible. We say work for me wherever we want. Take the time when you need it. Right. Like this is business. We're, we're we're going a long place, and so like we need you around for for a long time. What do you fear? Like maybe professionally, could be personally. Like what you know? Because obviously I've been talking to you for like an hour now, and I the ambition shines through. But it's like there's got to be moments. You're a human being where there are fears of what if this happens? What if that happens? And how do you you know manage that? Because I think a lot of people that are listening right now you know if they're ever in that situation where stakes are high yep. um mm -hmm. and they might be very close to their dreams or on the path there's a lot going on in yeah the mental. for sure i mean i think businesses die for for many reasons like businesses die obviously they run out of capital right mm -hmm. so you know you never know what's going to happen in the market right we've been through a fantastic uh phase of you know a lot of capital in the market and you've seen, you know, a lot of investments in, in, in financial technology and in kind of in technology in general. Like what if that, what, what happens, what, what if in, in, in July all of a sudden there's some horrible event and all of a sudden people get freaked out and, right. and, 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 you know, kind of investment kind of dries up. You know, there's obviously other challenges, right? Like, you know, we, we speak to customers. I mean, I, I speak to customers every day and we try to learn as much from them as possible to kind of direct us. But, you know, there's, oh, there's, there's, you're never going to get everything right. Right. And I think what we try to do is try to make as least uh, wrong decisions as possible, hmm. right? So at least right. like 90% of the decisions we, we do are actually right based off of data, based off of kind of our customers' interactions. Um, and then, yeah, you're going to get 10% wrong. And I think my, 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 I just want to create the right processes so that we're always driven by customer insights, data to make the best decisions possible. Um, 
and you know my fear is if we strive away from that you know we can make some wrong decisions but you know that that's part of it all right so when i when i talk to you in five years where where are you going to be at every everything look my, my my vision really is i really hope that when you go rent a place in new york you're like whoa that's a that's a base lane property like mm. that's a that's a property that the landlord uses base lane and it's almost like this brand that is recognized across kind of the investor community across kind of their their their, their tenants they know that this is a property that is you know completely technology enabled that you know as a as a tenant you're going to open up your base lane app on your phone you're going to be able to pay rent through there you're going to be able to kind of get insurance as a renter from there you're going to be able to even boost your credit score through there you're going to be able to improve your financial life through there as well we're going to offer you services for utilities for um you know anything you need when you're moving into your home uh you're going to be able to communicate with your tenant landlord through there it's going to be a full immersive experience that you know today you know it's not great yeah. right? and so let's bring the experience of being a landlord into into this century and really make it extremely automated and drive a lot of technology for it. but it's also for the tenant like that is also our customer and so like my vision is very much the the shopify vision like i i really want to you know for 30 bucks a month like i want to give you everything right and i want to be able to allow future generations to have access to investing in real estate not be not be scared of it right like think of how many e-commerce entrepreneurs and obviously there's less e-commerce entrepreneurs in the world than there are real estate investors. But think of how many e-commerce entrepreneurs started because it was accessible. Because Shopify created that for them. Now, what about you personally? Strip business aside, okay, what well, do you hope? What do you hope life looks like? Um, that's a great question. You know, I think um, maybe at some point, like I've lived in New York for 16 years. Wow. Um, you know, I think having a family in New York City maybe is is, is less sustainable, but maybe. Maybe Why a little not? bit out. Maybe a little bit outside of New York. Uh, I no, love the keep city. Keep them in the city. Keep them in the city. And, and I don't care how rich you are. Chuck them into public school. Okay. Swear to God, <laughs> I'm very adamant about this. I had I had someone on my previous show. Um, she's an awesome. She's awesome. She she went to private school her whole life. I went to yeah. public school my whole life in New York City. But uh, and we had a big debate on on what's better. Um, but no, I'm kidding. I think that. The, but I do think that the education of being in public school is great in general. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah. You know. But beyond basically, like, I'd love to be, you know, helping, you know, other entrepreneurs, right. you know, solve problems that they're passionate about. Right. Like I've, I've, you know, I've really enjoyed this experience. I've been, you know, doing this for, you know, two years, right? And it's just the beginning. Mm -hmm. Five years from now, hopefully, you know, there's still massive opportunity ahead of us. Um, you know, it's uh, one of the largest segments in the U.S. economy. Right. Um, but we'd love to kind of support other folks to be able to kind of fulfill similar things that just, you know, create, you know, value to 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 our society. And, and, and you know, I think that's great. I mean. Being able to build kind of sustainable wealth is is important right. thing, right? Yeah, and I think real estate is a fantastic way to do that. No, I mean, look, I uh, well, thank you for for coming on, and uh, you know, I'm I'm excited for you guys. This seems like so, you know, when I when I was brought our mutual connection, um, great publicist, shout out to Ryan, um, uh, introduced your story to me. I was like, this seems really really interesting, um, and I think that just in general. Because it's it's on so many levels. It's on the practical way. It's on the um, educational uh, kind of sector as well for people that are trying to learn more about this. I think even listening to you talk for for an hour is probably very insightful and hopefully you know leads them to want to go check it out more. But um, but yeah, I think that your the work you're doing is is fantastic. So uh, I look forward to to kind of following along and and seeing where it goes. But uh, but thank you for for taking the time. I know you're I know you guys are are busy over there. So uh, I appreciate you coming in. No, this was this was fantastic. This is obviously, as I mentioned, my first podcast, and it's been a fantastic experience. So thank you so much, Felix. Beautiful. Awesome.